0: This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.
1: Hey, this is Jeff Thorne. I am the writer, producer, showrunner of the Avengers Black Panther's Quest TV series, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time... and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Anime comics, movies and games come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Live. Anime comics, movies and games come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Bye. <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, The Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Desai. I hope everybody had a pleasant week. Of course, it was Valentine's Day. For me, it was my wife's birthday, so um, which was Super Bowl Sunday. So all that came, and we're back after that because I had to take a bit of a hiatus to celebrate her birthday And that we did. Shout out to Bacon Bacon, which is um, the restaurant that we went to for her birthday black owned bacon centric restaurant that focuses on a lot of bacon entrees that is i mean and this is like upper echelon this is like not like a you know your normal spot it's a really is a really dope spot um and that we have in philadelphia just one of many and uh they do they do their thing down there shout out to uh justin uh, uh the owner down there and um yeah man go if you're in philly Go to big. We talked about this on. Uh, I talked about this with Boris Roberto Aguilar of Sunday Night's main event on our All Elite Geekly podcast. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's uh, it's it's the it's the it's the truth. <laughs> it is the truth. Some is a place I probably wouldn't go to all the time because you should not eat that much bacon, or you know, you shouldn't you know absorb that much, <laughs> in a sense. But like a great cool dating spot beautifully ambiance. Everything is dope. Like promise you will have a great time at that spot. So we went there. Um, of course Valentine's day was there too. And I hope everybody had a great Valentine's day. You know, my wife, we, we you know, we've been married for 18 years. We don't necessarily celebrate it, but we do small little things because at that, at, when you get to reach that point in life, eh, it, it, I mean, every day is supposed to be that day. Like that's what, that's the thing. It's like, we don't get too big on a propaganda and the pressure of it it's like we we love for each other not for everybody else so if of all else like the cutest thing she did was like give me uh buy me a pizza a heart-shaped pizza which i thought was pretty cool like it was tomato pie and all the stuff so i really i really dug that so hope you guys have found some love somewhere or is being loved but if not, you're loved right here, you're loved right now, and we're going to be love talking about your favorite fandoms this week. We got a lot to talk about. This is a very Marvel-centric episode. There's a lot of news in the world of Marvel in all different facets. And then on our talk topic of the week, we go on a somber note because <laughs> I'm going to talk about my thoughts on Madam Web. Um, They're actually, believe it or not, there will be some good talks some good you know positive things i'm gonna say about the movie um so stay tuned for that but you know there's a lot of bad reviews out there about this in this a uh, very low box office and you know what here's my thing i will compare and contrast this movie to another movie that people uh really didn't you know go and support but there's a difference between the two so We'll talk about all that in our talk topic of the week. But folks, let's not waste any time. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG.
1: And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG.
0: All right, so... Dating back to last Sunday, we've got a bombardment of epic news regarding new projects coming from Marvel Studios and Marvel Animation, mind you. And my goodness, these are—it is is indeed epic. We're going to start with Super Bowl Sunday because the very first commercial to air on a Super Bowl was a teaser of Deadpool and Wolverine, the trailer, which is not which is no longer, of course, Deadpool three. It is. Deadpool and Wolverine, and we got a glimpse of it. And then if you go online, you will see the actual full two minute, 40 something seconds trailer. Now, Boris had, we when we did a, the All Elite uh, Geekly podcast, um, we this week, which you could check out on uh, SundayNightsMainevent.com, he had a different trailer. And I was looking at the trailer, I'm like, is this actually. He said it a it was a overseas trailer, but some of it was like, I don't know. This it, it I, I can't I have a hard time finding this trailer which had different um it had some different things on there, but it, it, it there were scenes on there I was like, is this fan-made? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'm still having a hard time finding that overseas trailer that he showed. But the official trailer that they're showing on Ryan Reynolds uh page and Marvel Studios page, um, uh, at least on a US standpoint is the official actual trailer to deadpool and wolverine and man i love what they did here this was genius 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 and i don't think this was planned because we talked about this on all of the geekly as well i don't know if this was i think they they managed to find a way to weave the storyline of deadpool and with the storyline that's going on with the multiverse saga and it's brilliant because I, I i really don't think that i would be surprised if they i mean because Marvel's really good at really sticking the storylines really well but if they really prepared deadpool 2 and, and, and to be ready for what's going on here that will be fantastic that is awesome so basically if you guys remember in deadpool 2 deadpool at the very end saved all of his friends who died in Deadpool 2 and went back in time and just stopped everything that that happened before again so when we see the actual you know trailer you'll see them those guys celebrating Deadpool um who has one candle mind you and I don't know if because he's immortal or whatever like that but um but that's what they're selling with him is one candle because he's never gonna get a good uh, get any older or whatever like that. But we also see everybody from the original, I mean like Megasonic Teenager, um, I forgot her girlfriend's name, who's also one of the X-Men. Um, Shadowstar. They Shadow when I saw Shadowstar, I went bananas and I was like, oh my god, I didn't realize he actually saved him in the cause they didn't really show him saving Shadowstar in the um in Deadpool 2 at the end. They showed him saving uh, what was it, Bob? and a bunch of other people but man i was so cool to see shadow star and they all look awesome and his wife of course uh, is there and just the, the bartender was there too um his sidekick was there and all of a sudden the door knocks and of all people it's the tva from uh loki and they end up grabbing him, and then when you th- when you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, he did go back in time and screw that up. So yeah, now we see we may see him traverse through many eras of the Infinity Saga to try and fix the timeline he has manipulated in order to save everyone during Deadpool Two. Um, Deadpool may be the center of point of that leads to Secret Wars too, as well uh, as it was evident if you saw if you really paid attention to the trailer, you will see a ripped up comic a copy of the secret wars issue in the trailer and that was a legit secret wars comic book issue that had dr doom on the front cover i have that issue so that was that was planted perfectly and for a reason deadpool will absolutely have something to do with the secret wars and that also told me this whole because i believe i talked about a while back telling you know discussing about why this is going to be based on the recent secret war storyline not the original secret war storyline from the 80s um because the new secret war storyline was the story was the saga that put the ultimate universe and the 616 universe together and molded them into one uh which led to miles morales coming into the real world so i thought this was this was just brilliantly done and um in this trailer too there were uh, lots of marvel fanfare hints of things based on the comics that you know we we may see here um some speculated that the scene where deadpool is in a secret club look i thought it was the hellfires club or something like that um that we may see wolverine play his alter ego patch diamond and patch diamond is an uh an assimilation if you will of wolverine and emma frost the white queen and there's also a blonde haired woman with a red dress in there. And some people may speculate that as did. now. here's the thing too, because a lot of time we, we do this all the time. Every time Marvel puts out a trailer, Marvel studios, mind you puts out, yeah, I have to say Marvel studios as to Marvel. Cause a lot of times Sony also has their movies, ergo, Madam web and Mobius and all this stuff. Um, Marvel Studios often have trailers that teases us, even if the full trailer is there. Now, you'll see something there. It may just some of the, a lot of the stuff that they show may be throwing us off. Um, a lot of what they always more than often show clips that will not be in a movie, but it's there just to throw us off. Or there's something in the movie. There's something in the trailer that later on it'll be added on to. I'll give a great example um go watch the original civil war trailer and you're gonna see some things that weren't in the movie and you also see spider-man in places that he wasn't in before so stuff like that when they they they, they know how to make secrets they know how to keep secrets i should i should say and i am so looking forward to this because we could be totally wrong on a lot of things but even if we're wrong about things it'll still be great and it'll surprise us i i can't wait because i'm so wearing my wolverine watch when this damn movie come out i got a uh what is it an an evicta uh wolverine watch that i have um that i was supposed to put on talktoplive.com the blog page and i'll probably put it up around that time but um yeah i bought it just for (laughs) <laughs> I cannot wait to rock that. This and the reason why I don't wear it because one, I got an Apple Watch. Two, things that shit's heavy as hell. I don't know if I'm just getting old because I used to wear big watches, but that shit's that shit is heavy as hell. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, if I I can literally use it as a foreign object, it's, it's that big. But nonetheless, I cannot wait to see this. It, um, this might be something I might try to you know gather a bunch of a group of people with to go. We all need to jump on this when this comes out in July. So, man, I am I'm excited, and I'm we're gonna see more. We're definitely gonna see more. I think there's gonna be some more surprises in this as we go along. But, um, man, they're not holding back. They're not holding back on this. There's, there's so much that could be seen in this thing. Ah, love it. So that's how we started off, but that's not how we ended. We also on Valentine's Day got a big surprise. Um, and I love you for this Marvel. Thank you for this Valentine's day gift, because we have our fantastic four, the official cast was announced on Valentine's day and much to the rumors and talks of who was going to be Reed Richards. It was many talks about Pedro Pascal becoming Reed Richards. And it is it a fit? It is official that Pedro Pascal is Reed Richards. and I am intrigued as hell. Like he's a great actor he's been, he's, he's played where he had to do change accents before. So, um, I just would never picture him as Reed Richards. But the one thing, the one lesson I will always learn from Marvel studios is never to doubt Marvel studios when it comes to casting, because their casting has been unbelievable. They, I, I have not seen one Marvel studios film where I looked at somebody and was like, Nah, this was not a good pick. This was not a, they, they, I the casting director of these movies are, they just, they always knock it out the park. So far be it for me to have any doubts or skepticisms or cynicisms on Pedro Pascal being able to play Reed Richards, especially what he's done last year. He is dominated 2023. Okay when you can't say through 2023, when you can't, uh, without talking about him, whether as the Mandalorian or as, um, the character from, um, the last of us, he is just un freaking believable. And he's, I think there's going to be another one. I think he's going to knock it out of the park. So I'm interested in how he's going to look. Is he going to have a different hairstyles? I mean, the suits, all that, like, this is crazy. What I love about the announcement is that they, presented it on social media with this poster art that kind of gives you a Norman Rockwell type of look. And you know, for you kids that don't know who Norman Rockwell is, he was a legendary artist that used to paint these old, you know, fashion style, you know, kind of like what, I guess, early twenties or early thirties, like, um, you know, genre paintings of kids. And they were like beautifully, beautifully done. Um, Norman Rockwell's legend he is le- like I grew up on Norman Rockwell art like I think everybody when I grew up had some hang up some hang up you know print of a Norman Rockwell poster in their house in their place I actually have a book that my wife gave me that has a lot of his artwork on there um which is interesting because I didn't know he it, I never saw his artwork where he drew black kids and there are some art pieces that he did that were drawing black kids but I digress I'm going off I'm going off key here um but the style of this kind of gives me a normal rockwell vibe to it slightly um which is kind of like a a um a hospitable homely type of feel family type of warmness to it and with with uh reed richards aka Pedro um pascal is also vanessa kirby who will be playing sue storm this one is an interesting one and i think is awesome Eben moss uh, Barack from the bear as the thing. I think this is a great choice for the thing. Um, I love the bear. I love him on a bear. I think he's the type of, you know, grim, grim, no pun intended. And, you know, grimy type of dude, like tough, hard nails type of guy to play this type of role. I will say this. Michael Chiklis to me embodies the thing. Um, every bit about michael chiklis when he played that role in the Tim story of fantastic four he embodied the thing i thought he did tremendous he had the voice he had the, the the personality um he had the gruff of like of of the fantastic four i thought it was i i absolutely 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 loved him as that but i think evan is gonna be fantastic i think he's gonna bring a different approach to it probably even a more natural and genuine approach to it because this is marvel Studios, so they try to you know give it a more genuine and natural type of organic type of approach to the performances of these characters you know make them even more relatable than they ever were before and joseph quinn as johnny storm now well also what people have talked about is the fact that herbie the robot is also in there so this is awesome. They're bringing Herbie the Robot into the movie. This is fantastic for, the, no pun intended, for those who have watched the old cartoons from back in the day. The old Fantastic Four cartoon used to have um, a character, and I believe Hanna-Barbera. Um, this was a Hanna-Barbera car, uh, cartoon at the time when the Fantastic Four came out. Now, Fantastic Hanna-Barbera, um, you know, Yogi Bear and... and uh, you know, um, oh God, what am I, what am I missing? Uh, it, it basically Yogi Bear, Scooby-Doo, um, Jabberjaw, all these characters that they would come out with. They always had a mascot character, like a Scooby-Doo mascot character along with them to, to solve mysteries or, you know, adventures and all this stuff. Herbie the robot was that mascot character for the Fantastic Four, uh, cartoon series and everybody loved Herbie the robot. Um, so they're bringing him back they're bringing a live a a a, i guess a cgi or live version of this deal back in and that it's a great homage to those who watched the cartoon back in the day the question is who is going to voice herbie uh he was a talking robot so um he's going to be an ai you know type of deal possibly who's going to be the voice of herbie that's going to be very interesting they have not announced that yet but it looks like herbie's definitely going to be in there because he's in the poster so I'm excited about this and they also have a real they have it, it, it i love when you know studios have a direct release date of when things are going to come out and their target date is july 25th 2025 which a year from that, a year from uh when deadpool comes out so that's going to be the blockbuster movie of the uh year i will say this about both deadpool is going to make a ton of cash like i don't think we're going to have to worry about you know whether this is going to dive in a box office did pull it will not dive we got hugh jackman we got ryan reynolds all together it's gonna make it's gonna make a ton of cash a ton i will say the same thing for past, uh fantastic four based on the casting alone as well um and not only because of the casting because the casting that and this is something that we're going to talk about in the talk topic, when talking about Madam Webb, you got a cast who is really into the content that they're in. They've invested in the content that they're in. um I don't know if we could say the same thing for some of the cast members of Madam Webb, but you never, like Pedro Pascal has always been in, like the, the, his performance on The Last of Us, his performance on The Mandalorian, it's been nothing short of fantastic. Hell, even when he played Wonder Woman, he was awesome on air too. Even though I didn't wasn't a big fan of uh, Wonder Woman '84, he was he was dope on air too. So, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it because you know they're going to give him it all, and you know everybody involved is going to give it their all. And this is what I love about this. You know, you got some high caliber uh, actors that you know really, really you know is really involved and invested, and they grew up as these fans of these you know formats too. Another thing I want to say about the Fantastic Four is that this is a huge, huge deal. Um, I would safe to say that Fantastic Four is bigger than Iron Man, without question. It is one of, if not, I believe, the first comic book that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby put out for Marvel Comics when they rebranded Timely Comics into Marvel, and that was the first one. And you know, this is this is the this is the freaking movie this is like before avengers it should have been a fantastic four to be honest um the avengers came after fantastic four but we i say this because why this is a bigger deal uh, this is this is only this is on the same tier as spider-man as uh captain America. i'm only speaking from marvel comics level not marvel cinematic universe level because that's different and i say that because a few months last year let's just say last year i had a conversation with somebody who did not understand that iron man was not like the biggest superhero in the marvel comic universe he is they rebranded him and made him and marketed him as the biggest deal in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it was a gamble to bring him out. And because one, they never did an Iron Man movie before. This is the very first one. Two, it's based off of a character that most comic book fans know is not, was not known as like the top comic book of, you know, in, in the world to people. It was like, Iron Man was always a second tier character. Always at the time. It wasn't until Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau did their thing in the movie to make him a household name. But during the 90s, nobody was buying Iron Man comic books. They were buying Spider-Man. They were buying X-Men. They were partially buying Avengers. Uh, They were buying Punishers more than Iron Man. There was there was a bunch of comics that were being bought before Iron Man. Iron Man was very, matter of fact, Iron Man was not even in the Avengers during that time. He was in West Coast Avengers. That was like, that's like, that wasn't a flagship comic book. That was like the low end. You know, that was like the the B-show, if you will, of comics. Like you put him in the West Coast Avengers and I used to read the Rust Coast Avengers too. And I was like, yo, this is, it doesn't feel the same. It's something about this book. I mean i like the characters in there i like when wonder man and tigra and you know and a few others that was in there that iron man was leading at the time it just felt so b team um it was just like when, when they you know when x-men had you know they made the gold team and the blue team the blue team was actually the top tier it was the flagship book the gold team that was you know headed by storm was kind of like okay and, and and you know and they had bishop and all of them. it was like it felt they made it feel like all right this was you know they got other adventures and they're going through it but it was still good but you know everybody and, and a lot of that had to do with jim lee you know you know illustrating the flagship version too so a lot of that played into that as well um but iron man was not and you could go back you can go back you could go online you could check there's a lot of the numbers don't lie iron man was not the most popular he was popular but not the most popular by any stretch um so he was a gamble and there's a and like i said there's documentaries vice tv did a documentary on the marvel cinematic universe and they said that he wasn't that big of a deal until they came out with that movie and you know it was no guarantee that that movie was going to be successful and he was going to be able to pull off it was not the Iron Man character, it was Robert Downey Jr. that helped make that character what it is. Um, so everybody who's getting, who got mad about that was basically basing their knowledge only on the cinematic universe. And if we're only based on a cinematic universe, if the cinematic universe existed and the comic book universe didn't, they would be right. But no, not in this case. And, but when it comes to Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four is a household name. Like even if you're not reading comic books, if you say Fantastic Four, people know who that who they are and know how big they are. Because even before Iron Man has had some cartoons out, but they weren't successful. Fantastic Four um, has had some um, deals too, but they always put more weight on the Fantastic Four. Always. Um, that's why Fantastic Four, but even before the Tim story, Fantastic Four has had like cartoons and movies way before you know Iron Man because they wanted to sell that family they wanted to put that out there but they'd never been able to do it and I would say Tim story the Tim story movies were as close as you could get at the time I think Marvel Studios are just gonna knock it out of the park with this I, I I just have no doubts I don't I please I don't need anybody to have any skepticism or cynicism about whether Marvel Studios is gonna be able to pull this off look what they have done since they started it kills me like over a decade of awesome movies and y'all are doubting whether marvel studios is gonna be able to pull something off like that i think we're i think we're gonna be more than good on here so i'm looking forward to this i can't wait and then on top of all this you think that was it on top of all this just last week they they knocked us out with another big announcement We got the first trailer and first look at the X-Men 97 trailer. And oh my damn. Oh, so much to talk about here. The original cast is back. Um. And it seems that the show it will be taking place directly after uh the events of the original show uh with where charles xavier died so now the story is how are they going to live you know go on and who's going to leave them and whatnot the x-men continue to fight for coexistence without the professor however there is a big surprise here and they learn that magneto has been afforded the estate of charles xavier based on a will that Magneto has, you know, uh, come across making Magneto the new Charles Xavier. And you know, what's great about this is that this is something that actually did happen in the comics. So once again, the X-Men, uh, animated series is kind of going into source. What I'm excited about this is I think what's going to make this one even better than the original is that we, the writing. The writing i mean we talked about this on uh all of League geekly but what made x-men the animated series so great it, i will say this i will say this the only negative i have about the, the old series is the animation art style um they were to me they were cheaply done um especially because as i'm looking at my wall right now that is mounted full of jim lee autograph you know <laughs> books you're like we've the popularity of what marvel was at the time and with jim lee his contrib- his contributions to that book you know and what the what this series is solely based on is the jim lee um you know version and we basically we like seriously we 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 wanted to see that that beautiful beautiful art style there And what we end up getting is a little bit more of a downgraded version with the art style, kind of cheaply drawn and animated. What I love about what I saw here is that they kept tradition with the visual, with the aesthetic of the old series, but you could tell that it looks a lot cleaner than it has before. Um, the animation, the art style, the character design pays homage to the old show. But the animation's tighter. It looks better, um, and it looks beautifully in HD this time around. So I think they, there's a lot to it. Plus, what made the um, the uh, series so great was the writing. It was the writing was the strongest point. Um, it really matched up to what we were reading in the comics. It didn't hold back on the subject matter that they were talking about because it was interesting. It was like, okay, they're basically talking about racism in this series that the x-men was all about social justice and um civil rights and and in racism it's it literally is based off of the civil rights movement of the 60s with martin luther king and and uh malcolm x um you know for those who don't know charles xavier and um and 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 magneto is literally Marvel's version of Malcolm X and in Martin Luther King, Stanley and Jack Kirby based them off of that. Um, which was awesome because I loved it because they kind of Trojan horse people into understanding that racism was bad, but they had to dress it up and instead of saying black people, they just said mutants and it had the same subject matter, had the same type of, um, you know, feel in, in reality to it in, in real world, you know, subject matters. It was fantasy based on reality and trying to put that on an animated series, especially during that time and era in the nineties, that's when you started noting things were changing because they were able to have this subject matter on there. You would never see this in the eighties In eighties cartoons back in the day, they kind of stayed away from really doing things like killing people in cartoons, bleeding, violence, you know, vi- like real-world violence, not like Tom and Jerry violence, even though like when you look back at Tom and Jerry or even Bugs Bunny to that extent, the stuff they do on here is just crazy. But it was it was absurd enough to be like, okay, that would never really happen. I can't hit anybody with a pan and they're gonna get back up. You obviously don't wanna do that. But I, I wish we could say that today, but sometimes people take things too literally today. Um, which is just boggles me, but in the nineties, they felt like we were ready to accept and understand and learn and be mature enough to understand this type of subject matter on an animated basis. So, especially, I think the other reason too, is because we found, we discovered anime and when it comes to anime, not a lot of people think that like a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh's and Pokemon stuff, like that wasn't all there in the 90s it was more adult oriented subject matter in anime and when they when people discover anime it was like okay we need to step up marvel stepped up dc stepped up with like batman animated series and um superman the animated series and justice league they stepped up in the writing dwayne mcduffie shout out to him rest in peace to him um you know he he worked he did the writing for um for Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, man, he killed it with that one. Um, so that's why it's one of the greatest uh comic book animated series of all time. Talking about Justice League Unlimited, especially because they really, really did a great job with that uh with that series, and that was mostly Dwayne McDuffie's writing on that. But the writing and subject matter on X Men was just so damn good up until maybe after this third season. <laughs> and it just kind of just went everywhere uh, at that point. And it got, it kind of got lost in people's, you know, mind, but I think the writers this time around, I think this is going to be, I have high hopes for how they're going to put this together. Cause they're going to have some great writers in this, in this series. And, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with all this and how is, you know, how it's going to go down with. Magneto becoming the new Xavier at this point. There's going to be conflict. Guaranteed. Especially when it comes to um, when it when it comes to um, Cyclops and, and, and uh, Magneto because they do not see eye to eye and Cyclops often feels like I mean the, the Jim Lee version he was very Boy Scout-esque and he was most likely wanted to go to the professor's you know, realm. I don't know. I'm in, I'm very interested in seeing where they're going with this series. Um, cause there was a lot to cover from the comics of that time. So what I love about it, and I mentioned this before with Boris is that I love that we keep going back to the nineties version of the X-Men because it, it, it's a testament of how awesome Jim Lee is. And I, I mentioned it, I mentioned it before. When you watch that show, when people reflect on what genre of the X-Men that people love, they always go back to the Jim Lee era. Be, it, and mostly because of Cyclops. Cyclops, you know, blue and yellow, you know, suit that Jim Lee designed, everybody loves it. With the with the strap, everybody loves that one. Everybody loves that. They even, even if you play, um, Marvel, uh, what is it? Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, the X-Men is back. They, they use the Jim Lee version when a um, this cartoon Jim Lee version every, t- a lot of times. And when you go, when you think Cyclops now it is that version of the, uh, of the costume, which is a Jim Lee original man. So I'm ex I'm so excited. And I'm, if, if I'm him, I'm like, yo, I'm legend. <laughs> so yeah, man, I I'm looking forward to that. And then on top of that, we also. Alright, well, this is the first, and we're finally moving away from Marvel. We're going into uh, Image, and we got the trailer for the second part of Invincible 2 Season 2. Uh, Invincible Season 2, I should say. And uh, I was, I, thank you. I knew that they kind of cut off so early, and I think it might have had to do with the, um, with the writer strike and the actor's strike, so... I figured they had to cut off and really finish up on that but it looks like they we finally are getting the second part of this because it just felt like cut off way too soon so we find mark aka invincible continuing to help out the planet where his brother resides after uh because you guys remember omni-man revealed that he actually has another wife and another kid on another planet so um how <laughs> Omni- omni-man is a piece of work um Boy, he is a rolling stone of a father. And so now he has, his, he has his stepbrother from another planet, and he's you know staying there to make sure that the planet uh, is taken care of uh, after the invasion of the uh, Viltrumites. Meanwhile, there's another new threat come that's come to take over Earth, but the heroes are um, there to take him on. And they're asking Mark, like, aren't you needed an Earth? No, nah, no, fine. They got a lot more heroes there we also see a clip of omni-man being beaten and bloodied by virtue after he rebelled against them so this is a interesting situation because are we going to see a a a, um a a a change of direction for omni-man is he actually going to be a good guy is he actually going to protect actually be the hero that people wanted him to be that's what i'm interested in i didn't i never read the comic book so i don't know what's going to come of this so i'm going to I'm looking forward to seeing this part. Cecil uh, is asking Mark uh, to go back into space after he's already (laughs) traveled from space, but there's a new threat coming that he needs to stop. And we see all of the heroes attending one of um, the character's funeral. So it is expected that somebody may be, you know, dying. And I got a feeling it's gonna be a major character. Now, again, I don't know how much of this is based on the comics um and i know robert kirkman every so often kind of makes he takes some liberties to kind of make it different from what we're reading from the comic but also kind of staying in the lane of what's going on in the comic so we'll see how that goes um i just don't need another dale type of situation again because that 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 really traumatized me <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i think that really hindered me from like continuing to watch the walking day once they killed dale oh i was done I was I was freaking done. Not any more done than Dale was when Negan batted his head up. <laughs> so um we also have to, we also really have to find out about um Debbie Grayson's uh, Mark's mom. Cause you guys remember she after Omni Man pretty much dumped her in Lefa, she was she was going through her own, you know, uh, uh, mental health struggles and she was given a card to join us shady support group so we got to find out a little bit more about the support group as well so nonetheless we will find about we'll find out all of this on March 14th when it all continues in so I'm I'm really looking forward to that there's so much it look I know there's a lot going on in the world and since the pandemic and everything has been you know a lot of depression and darkness but before that, there was a time when we where I used to always say, "This is a good time. To, this is a great time to be a fan." I it's safe to say that with everything going on, still, it is still a great time to be a fan of all of this. And thank you to everybody who's still bringing out this stuff because you know, without it, I think we would not have a means to find some recreational, you know, uh, grounds and peace of mind out here. So. Thank you to them and thank you to max because the second season of clone high is available on um max um guys if you've never watched clone high i please i highly recommend it it is a it is a animated series about a school that clones historical figures of the past and their teenagers all in this high school and it becomes this entire like 90210 drama teen you know series featuring some of history's biggest minds and in most uh famous public figures throughout history and it is the funniest one of the funniest series ever and they this was something that mtv came out with like ages ago and somehow some way max brought it back and i it was like a it was It was every bit as a cult classic to me as clerks the animated series and i was chomping at the bits for them to rather re-air the episodes not only did they re-air the old episodes on max but they even are now making a new series out of it And season two's here i haven't gotten a chance to check it out but i will absolutely when i finally settle down check it out and uh have a good laugh with it if you own max definitely go check it out it is freaking hilarious Folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and we will talk about Madam Web. And I will actually have something good, but I will talk about the reoccurring issue that I have with Sony based on their movies. And we'll do all that right after this. TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk time live.
1: This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG presents Talk Time Live.
0: Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Fight! Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week. And this is my review of Madam Web, which uh, released on Valentine's Day. I don't know how much I really love this, but we're going to talk about it nonetheless. Um, and I will say this. I've I've reviewed a lot of movies and even tv shows that had female strong female leads um one of my favorites is the marvels you know i've defended that and i'm still defending this and i will use this as as an example um i've you know i've i've really defended the hell out of these because a lot of times it's just they were great they're great movies they're great leads they're great characters they're great performances and just for some reason the adolescent you know uh fanboy uh culture or community just want to just slam it without even trying to see it or ever any try it and I, like the marvels for those like i said before for those who went to go see the marvels a lot of people enjoyed the marvels those who see it those who didn't see it would have were trashing it And discrediting it, even though they didn't see it. We have this movie, which is all female lead from Sony based on the world around Spider-Man, and this is actually a prequel before even Spider-Man was born. And the problem I have with this movie is not the actors per se. Well, at least not most of the actors per se it is the writing it is the it's just trying to make sense of everything um and something i should not i should not have to ask questions coming out of this based on some logical things and i did here and i can't i don't think i'll be able to defend this movie like i have others other movies or tv shows that were you know female leads before um No, this just as a movie in itself, just to me did not live up. I am a Spider-Man fan, of course, first and foremost, more than anything. And this just did not live up. Now, this is a reoccurring thing that I think Sony has um, in terms of not just this movie, but a lot, a lot of the Spider-Man related theme movies that are supposed to be based around Spider-Man. Even though we don't see Spider-Man anywhere around this particular movie is based on the, is a flashback is dating back before Spider-Man was even born and it's featuring Madam web, which is a big component to the spider verse. She is pretty much the clairvoyant, the, the, the center of everything. And she knows and sees everything, even though she's blind. Well, this is her origin storytelling and off, but it also showcases three future spider women the problem with this is that there, there's quite a bit of problems there, and we're going to talk about that but there was some problems with this that just like in terms of direction in terms of writing and direction as to why they chose to do this but not this um in this case and then on top of that to me when we talk about the casting from sony versus the casting of marvel studios i think they dropped the ball on the casting more in particular of the main character and that's dakota johnson i don't think to me and it it was it it really even more evident when i saw interviews with her um and that that feature her as she was promoting the movie um i think she was a bad choice for this movie i never i mean you know i know where she's famous from i know what she's done I, i i um in terms of like i've never really been that invested into movies involving. You know her i've never watched uh 50 shades of gray i did watch the social network and it was okay with her on air um i never really like her movies it's just movies i don't normally go see and i don't think she's the type that like grew up reading comic books or even enjoying comic books she's one of these people like she reminds me of somebody from the 90s of, of of comic book movies from the 90s where they just they hire they get directors they get writers they get people that just aren't that invested into the comic books but they just want to make a comic book movie to, to get a you know to bring in some money and you know get fans to enjoy well fans are a little bit smarter than this in, in in this day and age and they're not falling for the same thing that we did in the 90s where like captain america came out or the punisher came out and super mario brothers came out and we'll go to see it because it was You know they're they're putting focus on something that we like but they're not giving us exactly what we want this was that type of movie this was a throwback in a bad way (laughs) okay um i feel like she was the biggest problem of this movie and then the second the writing of the movie um we'll definitely talk about that as we go along but let's talk about the story of this like i said this is an origin story of Cassandra Webb, who becomes the clairvoyant of the Spider-Verse while working as a New York paramedic along with her partner, Ben Parker. She awakens her ability to see the future after facing a near-death experience. She inherits this ability after her mother, Constance Webb, was exposed by a special spider in the jungles of Peru. She was exposed after Ezekiel Sims shot and killed her while pregnant with Cassandra. Thanks to the help of the of an indigenous tribe with some superhuman spider abilities they were able to help constance give birth to cassandra before she died ezekiel manages not only to escape but to also gain possession of the spider and also gaining his own abilities as a spider as well however we learn that ezekiel doesn't uh, go unscathed as he is haunted with premonitions of the future uh showing his fate at the hands of three young women that will become spider women Ezekiel is hell bent on finding out the identities of these three younger women and plan to take them out before they uh for they stop him in his plans now let's go to casting and performances real quick let's go back to that I'm going to IMDb going to run down this list let's start with Dakota Johnson herself as Cassandra Webb aka Madam Webb I don't know why she was the pick I don't understand why she was the pick for this role i think there are way more charismatic people i think they got her solely based on name alone um in popularity of the name this is this is holly berry this is jennifer lawrence all over again even though to their credit i think they played better as those characters than she did as this um I don't think she just felt like she just wasn't into this role. She felt like she was just phoning it in her. There was no charisma in her performances at all. And it just felt like I, I, I wasn't believing in her. She, I mean, every line that she gave off to me just felt like it just, it had nothing to it. It just felt like she was just phoning it in and I may have been right. Because when we, I saw an interview with her recently where she revealed that she is not going to see the movie yet and she really doesn't she's not going to plan on seeing the movie um which tells me that like you know if i'm sony first of all if i'm sony i'd be pissed um number two it felt like she knew that she didn't put that much effort into the movie either and there are people you know shout out to the people who like do have more f- like the cast of Mar- the marvels as heartbroken as they were they love that movie they love what they did in that movie you can see how much fun they had making that movie when you watch um marvel studios assembled you know when they showed a behind the scenes that they really love what they did and they put it in and they will do it again this one she just like i felt like she just grabbed a check with this one now I cannot say the same thing for the other, for the other heroines that be, um, Sydney Sweeney of Euphoria, of course, as you know, um, you know, uh, Isabel uh, Merced and, uh, Celeste O'Connor. I thought actually they were the highlights of this movie, uh, Sydney Sweeney. I thought she did a great job playing Julia, Car- uh, Cornwall. She played, you know, yes, let's get it out of the way. She is stunning. In so many ways, um, Jessica Rabbit level stunning. All that aside, check she's a really great actor. Um, I loved her in Euphoria, and I, I love that she could play a very, you know, kind of suburban, defenseless type of girl. Like she's really kind of innocent. Like she plays that to a T. She plays that really well, and I, I really believe in her character. Isabel Mercet, uh, who played Anya uh, Corazon, I thought she really did well too. She played, you know, the the loner of the bunch, if you will. Um, you know, she was very intelligent, but she's fending for herself out in the streets and everything, and she's she's a survivor. I, I felt that character. Celeste O'Connor played Maddie Franklin. I thought she did well too. She is a well-off, privileged girl who. Um, also is you know the parents are not around so she's trying to you know gain the attention and you know she's just living like a rebel just you know you know what happens when your parents don't give you attention you just you're gonna lash out you're gonna make noise you're gonna you know you're gonna be you're gonna try to be heard in any type of way in there so i thought those three really helped me enjoy the movie for what it was um my only big issue is not their acting and their particular acting is their the, the character direction of their um of their performances They we see that they are obviously superheroes in the beginning and we see that there are superheroes at the end but we don't see them become those superheroes we don't see them develop their powers in this whole entire thing and that's that was one of my biggest issues here and i will talk about we'll talk a little bit more about that but as far as performances they were the reason why i was entertained i thought they really did a good job at their performances um tahar Rahim, who plays ezekiel sims i thought he did it he did a pretty much uh pretty good job wasn't like the best villain he wasn't like vincent diofreo or um jeff bridges by any stretch or, or, um, or Thanos, (laughs) he he wasn't, he just wasn't, um, he did what he, he he was standard at best. Um, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he, he wasn't, he was just there. He was like, he, he was a villain, a villain that you just kind of knew that wasn't going to (laughs) last by the end as well. Mike Epps for the short time, he was there. He played O'Neill rest in peace <laughs> in there and um believe what the only black guy that was in this movie and uh well one of them one of the main focuses but he actually technically may have been the uncle ben of this uh movie in a lot of ways too um and then you had emma roberts who played mary park i did not realize that was emma roberts mind you that was playing mary parker who is the mother of peter parker who was at the time pregnant during this whole thing and that's something else that we're going to talk about too. Uh in a few minutes after this, uh Adam Scott from the uh from Parks and Rec um uh, played Ben Parker. I thought it was a good choice. He he actually does look like a young Ben Parker. I can believe that. Um very interestingly, we had this is an interesting one. and I'm going to stop after this. so Zo- uh how do you pronounce her name? Zosia Mummit? who played amari now she was kind of the oracle to ezekiel sims in this movie where she was a hacker she was a tech uh she was a tech uh genius who was able to you know um compromise different you know signals and be able to find um the girls wherever they were if you remember if you recognize his name she played on a flight attendant uh which was um which was the uh show on um on hbo max or max starring um oh, wait give me a sec i i'm blanking out on the name yeah here she is right here penny from uh from big bang theory basically i'm trying to say but um kaylee coco this here, the the kaylee coco series she played her best friend on air but even recently which i find interesting she was in a she's in a commercial for match.com um and i was i thought that was very interesting because normally like celebrity like stars I mean yeah they do it's not the first time like there was a guy from ballers that I saw end up uh, on a commercial on a few commercials after ballers was done so um she I saw her she was in a recent match.com commercial and now all of a sudden she appears on this movie so I thought it was cool to see her because I actually like her on a flight attendant. She's a pretty damn good actor. She's a pretty entertaining actor um, as well. So um she did she did what she did in here. I think there's going to be there may be more to her. We this may not be the last time we see her in this film, but she was there for you know helping Ezekiel Sims find um, Julia Anya and uh, Maddie throughout the whole time. But you know it, Cassandra was the biggest you know um, wrench in their cog if you will in here. So the cast was, I think the cast up with the exception of Dakota Johnson was good, was real. It was like, it was solid, but Dakota kind of to me, just, I, I felt like her performance was stale for, for the most part. There were parts of it that was okay, but she just really doesn't have that personality. I don't know if it had anything to do with the direction of her character, but it just. It was just in one tone. Her her entire, her dialogue was just in one tone. It didn't go up. It didn't go down. It was just it was steady, and it just didn't really do it to me. So that like that was the big turnoff. But everybody else in the film, I felt to me, and this is just my opinion, of course. It just it just felt like you know they they were putting in more to the deal than it, than she did. Here's my other thing too. If you listen to Allie Geekly. Boris explained, I think he did on air, or did he text me this? But um, Boris said that I think the producer or the directors guaranteed the actors that this will be connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and there may be some truth to that because yes, in the Sony universe, they did, when Spider-Man No Way Home, they did, and in, in, as well as um, you know the Spider-Verse, they did connect everything together so technically they are right but i don't know if they're going to be directly into that unless they do they could do they absolutely can add those these characters on from to some uh, secret wars because secret wars does consist of all these different timelines and if you watch the marvels there's a connection to the marvels that is connected to um spider-man uh no way home when they break the 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 um the timelines barriers or whatever the hell that is it's the same thing the jump points if you look at what um what dr strange and and parker did and and spider-man did they did exactly the same thing that happened in the marvels so there's a connection to that and there's also a connection to the spider-verse which is a connection to um the sony verse as well and and, and in mcu as well so it's not to say that they're not lying but you know i'm hoping that they do at some point um they, you know it, it's 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 just it's, it's just very interesting that they said that Okay, may whether they know it or not it, the problem is like because of the box office flop that this is absolutely becoming i don't it's possible that they could just nix, nix this whole entire thing i don't know but there is a possible connection to spider-man the to tom holland spider-man in here uh and we got to talk about some things we're going to talk about some things in here that you know based on the timeline uh right now so the time and place of the movie is around 2003 and peter's mom mary is pregnant with peter around this time uh i want to also note this is i find this to be very funny because and I don't know if anybody else saw this. The scene in the train <laughs> where um where Cassandra is like, you know, finding the Cassandra's basically finding the three girls and notice and, and also having premonitions of um Ezekiel coming in to try to take them out. There's a guy sitting on in the train, sitting on a train. And it looks to be, he looks to be playing what I know is a PSP. This movie timeline is based on 2003 and maybe I'm wrong. I have to watch it again to see if the timelines change during that time. But, um, it was 2003 and I, yeah, I gotta watch it again to see. Cause I, I, you know, I know that they based it on 2003. Um, by the time Mary was pregnant with Peter and she was about to have his kid. But that scene in the train shows a guy with a PSP, you know, PlayStation portable, the PlayStation portable debuted it on March 24th of 2005. So while this is Sony's way of, and I'm, you know, I'm, I guess you could say I'm nitpicking in a sense, but if this is Sony's way of just trying to throw in a little nod to the PSP, the, the you know, the the, the handheld console that they barely ever, you know, pushed and promoted. One of the first of many. Because they didn't, when the PS Vita came out, they did the same thing. They brought it out and didn't market it properly. The same thing they're doing with the PS, uh, the, uh, what is it? The VR, the PlayStation VR in one and two. You know what I'm saying? Like, you wanted to give us a nod to that. And a little Easter egg nod to that. But your timelines is wrong go fig <laughs> with that um also noticeable and here was mentioned was maddie franklin mentioning that she had a uncle jonah we know who the hell it is so i thought that was pretty cool i thought that part was pretty cool i like she's related to jay jonah somehow and then also the four star diner which if you're a comic book fan you would know that that is a diner that in the comics peter would always normally hang out with his friends in the comics uh, too. So I thought that was, it was some okay, you know, deals too. Um, my other issue of course comes probably with the costume design of, um, Sydney Sweeney's character, Julia Cornwell, which, which plays spider woman. And actually here's, here's the thing that you guys don't know. I'm a spider woman fan of the comics. I'm a spider woman fan. Um, of both Jessica drew and Julia Carpenter, um, which in here, which is funny cause this it's, um, in, in the movie is Cornwall. I don't know why they changed Carpenter into Cornwall. I don't understand, but she is supposed to be playing the Julia Carpenter character of the deal. The problem I have here is that Julia Carpenter, the, the, the suit that she is wearing or supposed to be wearing is actually a symbiote. Cause when she, when Julia Carpenter premieres in secret wars, the original secret wars, um, from the eighties, she, along with Peter Parker inherited the, the symbiote costumes. And so she has a symbiote costume that gives her, uh, abilities to do so. And how she got this, that's never really explained in the comics too, in a sense, uh, in a sense, but she operates as a double agent as well. Um, but that's how she was premiered. So her, 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 uh, her existence is weird and her costume is weird. So like there's, there's no explanation of the costume, whether it is a symbiote or whatever, because we don't find out how neither of these women get their powers in this book. And that is one of the biggest beefs that I have with this, um, with this movie is, is the lack of two things, the lack of action and the lack of storytelling. So we went through this entire movie without learning how Julia, Anya, or Maddie got their spider abilities. You saw at the beginning; we we just know that at the very beginning of the movie, you know, through through Ezekiel's dream, we see that they have their abilities, they have their powers. Um, which, to least their credit, they gave Julia the the what we know is the like the Sonic Venom Blast that she um, that she uses in the comics. So she definitely has that but we don't know how they got it because the whole focus was on Cassandra Webb getting her abilities, but in trying to make sure that these girls stay alive. However, we do not know how they got their powers. We just know that they got their powers. So the entire movie, the entire freaking movie in between the scenes at the beginning where we see that that they're fully, they're established uh, superheroes and at the end, Where they become established superheroes but in between those scenes all we see is the four of them or at least let's say the three of them running from ezekiel looking weak and defenseless the entire time like why at you know why not let them ignite their powers within the course of the movie so we at least know how they got their powers and such like that no they didn't do that this was a two-hour movie and at this time all they were doing all they were doing is just running hiding and exposing themselves from where they were so they could get caught and execute and find them and then they even by the end when they were trying to uh when when Cassandra finally fully developed her abilities they still were defenseless they still weren't you able to be able to fight him on their own that she was just like trying to make sure that they got a... i knew if this was marvel studios they we would have known and saw them with their abilities by the end of this movie that is the difference between the writing and direction of marvel studios and amy pascal's pictures trying to do their own thing they tried to it. it's like it's almost like these are from the people who brought you the dc films this is exactly how dc films were write and direct their stuff It doesn't make sense. Like, why wouldn't you show us how these, these women got their powers? They could, why, what, what was the reason that they didn't get their powers? So body in. Madame Webb got her powers. She got her abilities and she got this God awful, you know, pair of glasses that she (laughs) wears at the end. And this weird looking, I dunno, man. Instead of giving her like a blindfold, they gave her like glasses. That just looked like she was in Paris week. It was, it was like a very couture, like pair of glasses. It was so stupid, but we never got to see how these girls develop their powers. It's just like, by the end they had their powers, no explanation whatsoever. And I, it this, this whole movie felt like a prelude to what the, the three of these girls are going to be, but why not, if that was the case, why not make it not only an origin story for Madame Webb, but also an origin story for these three as well. Cause you didn't really establish these three characters that apparently it looks like we're going to see down the line. There was no establishment, real establishment whatsoever. I, I, it just doesn't make sense. And again, when you watch Mobius and, 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 and the Venom movies, they, they just don't make sense. They don't connect properly. They don't the writing for, for a, for a movie about a, pe- a bunch of a, a, a bunch of spiders the webs don't weave properly and i'm just always perplexed that by the end is i i every time every I, I at least try to give venom a try because i do recognize it as another universe version of venom is not the universe that i particularly enjoy like the original eddie brock to me the one that almost terrified both mj and, and peter that's my eddie brock from the 616 comics that was still one of the greatest written spider-man sagas of all time in my opinion and then they just made him a superhero and in a buddy cop deal in the movies and i was just like eh, i guess i can deal with this it's it's a multiverse thing i can deal with this just wish they like that if you do know it's funny The Tough, you know the Sam Raimi Topher Gracie version of Venom is the more accurate version of that character I just wish Tom Hardy took the place of uh Topher Gracie at the time I wish Topher I wish Tom Hardy was around during that time because I think he would have knocked it out the park I, why Topher Gracie I don't know <laughs> but you know you you just switch these two together um I would go back in time and probably try to help cast him, but I'll probably get the TVA after my ass for doing it. But nonetheless, um, this 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 storytelling hindered this immensely for me. It just didn't make any sense. I don't. He, the problem is here. This is this is this. I feel like this is going to be the same situation that happened with um, Cowboy Bebop. Whereas people didn't like it so much to the point that like they may just drop this project completely and all three of these women who are supposed to be future spider women, it's just going to, it's going to be defunct. It's it's a possibility. Amy Pascal, can you please just give the Spider-Man franchise back to Marvel studios? We it's been proven it has been proven that when Marvel Studios had Tom Holland and they had the rights to use Spider-Man that they did it right. And I know I, I bet in my heart of hearts that she is probably bitter as hell that they were able to do what they did not. And that's no slight on the Tobey Maguire version or the Andrew Garfield version. Cause they were good everything after that just didn't live up and what they're trying the problem is they kept trying to reboot things and that's the problem first of all i don't think that spider-man 3 warranted it and enough for them to say we want to reboot spider-man because it was such a failure i think they jumped the gun off of that i, I didn't think spider-man 3 was entirely that bad and i think they could have easily gotten back on their feet with a fourth movie that sam Raimi has done they just didn't let him get a chance give him a chance after he did two successful films Andrew Garfield's version was okay. It was a good, uh, it was an okay version, but it didn't really live up. And it wasn't until Marvel Studios came, and thank you to Amy Pascal for those controversial emails and her doing damage control, no pun intended, that we actually were able to get Spider-Man not only in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also teaming with the Avengers in ways that we've been waiting for to see him accurately teaming with these people and on top of that, having three absolutely unbelievable, unbelievably successful, uh, trilogies with the third (laughs) weaving everything together on all three different Spider-Man franchises. Pascal pictures, Amy Pascal, please give back the Spider-Verse and their only justification, their only justification is the fact that, that the, Inter- that, that, that Miles Morales movies are so successful. That's the best thing that they got is the Miles Morales movies. Those are Oscar winning movies. I guarantee, yeah, I will be surprised if, if um, I'll be blown away and surprised if, if Inter- uh, Across the Spider-Verse doesn't get an Oscar again. Um, that movie was just incredible. After that, like all the, the live action ones, stop. Stick with Miles Morales. Give Peter Parker to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Collect whatever money that you guys have because your ego is getting in the way of making some great Spider-Man films uh, for the future. It just is, like, cause this is not working. It th- The stubbornness of it all. They've been trying to do this rogue gallery uh, series of movies for from Spider-Man for the longest time. We've now seen them. We're not impressed we're still waiting for craven to come out and i don't even know if that's going to be even good as well um i it's just is not this is not good they need to reevaluate give the franchise keep miles morales y'all killing it with that give back spider-man let let marvel studios do what they have been doing with spider-man i they're they're gonna do it justice and i want to see a spider-man team up with the fantastic four and i want to see a spider-man team up with the x-men Give us what we want, man, because y'all just not doing it. God damn it! And guess what? Speaking of not doing it, you know what's with what, with what the um, similarities between the word "doing it" and the grade I'ma give it? It both has a D, because that's what I'm giving this actual movie. And um, I'm sorry, I, I if I think if they would at least gave the three characters their powers in the process of this whole thing and had more action instead of just had them run away and all stuff i think that would have made it a little bit better i think the actor portrayals of the three spider women were i think that was the reason worth tolerating this movie um everything i can't say anything else good about this movie and know I, I, it's it's heartbreaking as a spider-man fan for me to say that because I really wanted to want things to succeed in the in you know in the world that I am, but I as a Spider-Man fan, I, I just I, it just doesn't work for me. So no surprise to anybody. Uh if you're if you're surprised by anything, is that yeah, I'm giving it a uh, giving something that is female-based a D. Not because it is female-based, it is because it's just not a well-written movie. And for those who tried to bash the Marvels, look at what they did with the Marvels, and look what they did. Uh, look what they did with this movie. It is a far contrast. The, I, I will defend the Marvels to the end. To the end, I love that movie. I watched that movie more than once, <laughs> and I've enjoyed it every single time. You watch that movie back to back. You watch that movie and you watch Madam Webb, Guarantee. You're going to say the Marvels is a better movie. Guaranteed. So, just saying. I, I, what else about it? What else is there to say? I'm done. Another thing that compared, that has a D in it. So, folks. That will do it for this edition of... I was about to say select star. See, this damn movie. Also with a D. Um, <laughs> I, that'll do it for this episode of uh, ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I hope you guys enjoyed it. My intention next week... Is to go into the back to movies to see what i've actually wanted to see which was the bob marley one love movie i if i can i will try to go see that movie if not i will find something else another topic to talk about or something else to review but that is my intention is to go see bob marley one love because that did grab the box office this week and deservedly so i think that should deserve an oscar nod or any award nod this year because i think that movie is going to be dope i've seen interviews with um with uh the cast and such and uh like they really put their hearts into it unlike dakota johnson did with this one so hopefully that is my um that is my deal to go check that out and um also this week on select start video game review of the week is going to be mario versus donkey kong Uh, i got my hands on that and i think there's something tranquil about this that we are going to talk about something i really enjoyed about this game so we'll talk about that and I'm still playing it too, so I, it's, we'll see how it goes. But so far, you know, I, 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 I we're going to talk about why I think this may be good for everybody to check out. So that'll be my review this week. Um, as always, I have a show, a new show that I now do uh, for Sunday night's main event, um, which you can check out every Sunday on TSN Radio. 690 and news talk 10 uh 610. i myself are on uh comes on that show every so every once in the blue moon but i also host a new show called all Ali geekly with my good friend boris roberto aguilar who is the host of sunday night's main event on tsn and news talk 610. you can check us out every thursday as we not only review aew dynamite but we also talk about a lot of acmg related stuff that goes on during the week as well and we just pretty much shoot the shit for like the first hour of stuff or the first half hour or something and then we go into reviewing aew dynamite but it's a great time we've gotten a lot of uh great feedback from people and uh talking with our you know back and forth candor and you know our, our enjoyment of all things anime comics movies games but also pro wrestling as well and uh we also talk about hopefully sometimes a good week of AEW dynamite and sometimes a questionable week of AEW dynamite, but go out of your way, check it out on SundaynightsmainEvent.com nights, and, uh and never miss a beat there. And you can follow them as well. Uh, great group of guys over there in Canada. Don't ask me how I, how a guy from Philadelphia ended up on a radio show in Canada and then, and then the show a podcast show from that is Canada based, but that's how the world goes around people. That's what I'm saying. So if you like this episode and every episode of ACMG presents Talk Time Live, please check out our official website on talktimelive.com. All of our audio episodes are video exclusives, including our newest talk time live exclusive coming this week. That is Desmond Wong is making his third uh return to the show to talk about the new cat quest 3 coming out later this year and this time i will have him on video as well as audio so i'm looking very much for it i always enjoy my time with talking with desmond um he's he's just awesome he's a the head game developer from the gentle brothers and um they have created a awesome game series that has been award-winning and nominated throughout the years called cat quest i was he was here for cat quest one i brought him back for cat quest two cat quest three which is looking to be even more epic than the other two. It's a very Zelda action RPG, like starring a bunch of cats, doing some really awesome, cool things in there too. Like you, if you have not played this game, I highly recommend going, it's it's available on all platforms. Cat Quest, Cat Quest 2, go check it out. And Cat Quest 3 coming out this year. And we're gonna talk about what to expect this year on, on the third installment of that game. Cause if you saw the trailer on Nintendo director, I believe state of play it, yeah, they're, they're doing so much more. So, so much more. And he said he, in the last interview that he was uh, doing out, uh, they were going to be looking the top what they did here. And it looks like they are, they're adding so much to this. So get ready. It's coming out this week. And uh, along with other things. So you'll see that on talktomlive.com uh, exclusively, as well as wherever podcasts are played. And that is including Spotify iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, PocketCast, you name it. Just type in on the search engine, ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, and you will find it. Subscribe and download every week. Never miss a beat. So that'll do it for me, folks. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I, m out of here take care and you guys have a great week Music for this episode is provided by GameChops. Check out these great chip tune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.